Man, great to be back with you. Great to see everybody here this morning. If you have been traveling because of spring break, we welcome you back. If you're about to be traveling because of spring break, please be careful. And we look forward to when you will be able to return and, and be with us again. We're talking about living intentionally this year. Not just going through the motions, not just kind of showing up at some gathering space and, and participating in some type of, of praise or study. Instead, we're talking about using intentionally what God has intentionally given to us. And we've talked about all this year how that this idea of living on purpose is not about getting better in our Christianity. That that's not the mindset that we want to have. Instead, it's about drawing nearer to God. It's about drawing nearer to the divine. And so a couple of weeks ago, I told you that I want us to consider how living intentionally for God is only achieved when we live intentionally with God. When we actually experience his, his presence in our lives. And in fact, we said that we cannot not live our lives in the presence of God. Now, I want you to think about that. You cannot not live your life in the presence of God. C.S. Lewis, in Letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer, wrote, We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. He said the world is crowded with him. And I love this, I love this language. He says, He walks everywhere incognito. Perhaps you heard him in a song somewhere. Perhaps you were admonished by him while reading Scripture. And by the way, I appreciate Stephen Walker focusing our church family last week on the beauty and importance of, of Scripture. And, and maybe this last week, you spent more time in, in God's Word than, than maybe you have this entire year. You just did this last week. All because of the time that we spent together pouring over Scripture last week. How is it that you have been in the presence of God? Maybe you've been encouraged by Him through the compassion of a stranger. Or you felt Him on a breeze once while watching the sunrise. It's that connection that we really want. It's that experience. It's that relationship. That is what is of utmost importance. Where you're no longer content just to go through the motions and, and just to show up. But instead, it's not about some attendance at some religious event. But it's about participation in a kingdom experience. It's all about craving communion with God. And, and so I love this passage from the Psalms. And I wanted to show it to you this morning. Where I think this is the spirit that we need to have each and every day. Where we say, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants. It, it, it longs, it desires you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We desire more than just a glimpse of him. More than just a passing thought of him. And so what we're asking really is, how can we draw near to God? That's what we want to ask over the next few weeks as we, as we barrel toward Easter. We want to use the days that lead up to the Christian community's worldwide celebration of the resurrection as a time to rediscover the presence of God. Friends, the world is crowded with him. The world's crowded with him. If we would get our nose out of our phones sometimes, if we, would, if we would stop just the focus that we have on, on all the day-to-day minutiae, we, we'd be amazed at what we might perhaps see. So as a church family, here's what I want us to do. 
I want us to be able to experience God's presence and God's peace and God's purpose like never before. And so we're going to be sharing some pathways, some tangible practices that each of us can navigate in order that we might be able to position ourselves to see the God that walks everywhere incognito. So Stephen started us on this journey last week with a focus spending time in God's Word. And I, and I want to add to his thoughts this morning. Because let's face it, I have never met a follower of Jesus who has actually said out loud, I could really use less God in my life. Never found anybody that's told me that. Never found anybody who said, you know what, I believe in Jesus, but I would really like to be less like him. I believe in God but I would really like to have less of him in my life. It's actually been the exact opposite. Believer after believer says, I want more God. I just don't know what to do. I, I just don't know how truly to draw nearer to God. And so many of us have come to this place, maybe even today, longing to see more clearly the God whom we live for each and every day. We want more God. We mean well. We just don't know what to do. And so it's kind of like the experience that I had trying to, to gain entry into Cuba. Uh, as you've heard already, Jeremy and Scott and Aubrey and myself and, and some others, um, we went on a trip to Cuba in order to spend time with some of the Christians that live there on the island nation. And, and let me just say that Cuba is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. It, it's history, it's, it's architecture you can see there on the on the screen, and, and oh, the, the cars. I've already been asked, hey, uh, did, did you see any cars? Hey, not only did I see, I, I rode in a 55 Chevy. Now, how many of you can say that you have ridden in a 55 Chevy? Some of you can. There it is. Look, I am identifying with the older generation. Look at me. And these guys over here go, you are the older generation. What, what are you talking about? Oh, but yeah, we had, we had cars there, and oh, the food. Man, I just knew going into this that I, that I was going to be losing weight while I was gone. And I was excited about it. I've gained a few pounds, and I, I wanted to be able to shed that. And I thought, you know, it's going to be warm, and we're going to be doing some walking. Not really for sure what kind of, you know, food we're going to have. I came back, got on the scales, gained one pound. I did. I did. I gained weight because of food like this. Look, Scott ate that whole thing. No, no, he, he didn't. He shared. But... Um, but man, the, uh, the, food was, uh, the, the food was delicious, and, um, but the people, man, people. As was mentioned uh, already, just the, just the beauty of some of the relationships that, that we were able to, uh, to form. We were able to uh, spend time with the Alvarez family, with three new church plant teams, four different house churches, and... And so we were able to have times of worship. We were able to have times of, uh, of play. Aubrey is like the jolly green giant in Cuba, all right? Uh, he, he shows up and all the kids begin to flock around him because they've never seen someone that looks and acts exactly like Aubrey does. But man, what a great experience. Uh, we sat on porches and out in squares. We... Uh, we took pictures underneath uh, trees. We, uh, we were just able just to, to do life. And, and really only Jeremy 
could truly interact um, with the native language, you know, in Spanish. And Jeremy did a great job uh, not only translating, but also just um, leading this, this trip and, and to be able to accomplish all the things that, that took place. And so you'll hear more and more as we talk about this. And, and as we go forward, if, if you hear of short-term mission opportunities, let me just tell you, whether it's to Cuba or whether it's to another of our, our, of our mission locations, man, I want to encourage you to really give thought to, to taking maybe some vacation time if you have to. Um, or if you're already retired, saying, you know what, I've, I've wanted to do this, and, and I've thought about it, I've prayed about it. You need to. You need to be able to go and experience the other cultures, but, but more than that, you need to be able to go and expand the relationships that you have in Christ. It'll, it'll, it'll do you great. It will. So, so back to what I was saying. Um, after I got off the plane, it was time to make my way uh, through customs. And, and I was very focused on what I was supposed to present, the papers that I was supposed to have, and, and the wording that I was supposed to use when asked, you know, any questions there by, by the officials. And so I, I approached a gentleman that was sitting behind a glass and case counter, and, and I proceeded to hand him my passport, and he looked at it, and then he motioned for me to... He motioned for me to approach a small black square that was mounted right there on the glass in front of me about the height of my forehead. And so seeing what I believe to be a temperature monitor, I, I, and a temperature monitor, you know, similar to the ones that you see when you go into the hospitals now or if you've been to Siskin, maybe you've been to Siskin and rehab and you had to try to gain entry and, you know, you have to go and get your temperature taken and it's something we see a lot um, around in our medical facilities these days. And so I saw this, and so I took off my cap, and I, I leaned forward, and I, I placed my head near that, near that monitor. Um, and, and so the guy that was behind the glass, he then begins to say something in Spanish, and he waves his hands in a motion that I took to mean that I needed to get a little bit closer. So, so I leaned in closer and, and placed my forehead firmly against that black square that was there, so to get an accurate temperature, because I didn't want to be left out. I wanted to be able to get into Cuba, right? I wanted to be able to be there, and, and, but he continued to motion to me, and this time he, he, he kind of did this, you know, like, like shoo, you know, and, and so I stepped back a little bit and, and thought, well, maybe I got a little bit too close, and so I, I leaned back trying to get just the right, you know, right, you know, and, and then he continues to, to shoo. And so I, I stepped back even, even more, which really seemed strange because I thought, how are they supposed to get an accurate temperature reading if I continue to back up? But I did, as I was told, because I wanted to get into Cuba. I wanted to be able to be there. I didn't want to mess anything up. And then finally he goes, and I stop. And he goes... And it was then I realized that the black square that was mounted on the glass was not actually a temperature monitor, but it was a camera that was being used to verify my identity compared to the picture that was on my passport. And, and I have no doubt that the man behind the desk went home and told his family, you will never believe what this goofy American did today. And I think he... he Luckily, he shared with me a picture that he took home. That was great. And so this was, <laughs> this
this was my entrance into Cuba. Forget about asking for a banjo to take to the bathroom with me. Forget about that. This is how I made my landing uh, in Cuba. But here's the thing. Jeremy Davis, who was right behind me in line, never said a thing. <laughs> he didn't. Not one thing. Oh, man. Look, look. I, um, I, I meant well. Okay. Let's get that picture off. Get that picture off. That's just, yeah. I, I, I meant well. There we go. I was trying to follow the instructions. I just didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to get into the country. And that's how a lot of us are when it comes to trying to position ourselves nearer to God. We try to get nearer and then we end up looking like, go ahead, put it back up. I know you want to, Craig. Yeah, yeah. And, and God's like, what are you doing? What, what, are, what, what, is it, what is it you're doing? Guys, we can all use a little help drawing nearer to the Lord. Right? Can I get an oh yeah with that? We all need a little help drawing near the Lord. Oh yeah? Yeah, we, we, need, we need some help with that. So let's see what we can do. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing some habits. And we're going to be talking about some, some disciplines that I think can, can help us move nearer to God. There was a 17th century French monk named Brother Lawrence that longed to maintain an ongoing conversation with God no matter what he was doing. And so in his writing, The, pre, the Practice of the Presence of God, he said, I make it my business to rest in Christ's holy presence, which I keep myself in, now get this, by an habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God. He, he says, I don't have a phone, but I have constant contact. I have constant contact with God. So let me ask you, let me just ask you, how do you think how do you think your life would be different if you engaged in an habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God? If you conversed with God just, just half as much as you converse over Snapchat? If you spoke with God just a fraction of the amount of time that you engage in conversations about work or, or your kids' accomplishments or, or your March Madness brackets, which by the way, can a number one seed not win? I mean, come on. Besides Alabama, I mean, of all the years that all the number ones have to lose, no, it's got to be, Al okay, I'll stop, I know. We're talking about the Lord. Guys, do you think it would impact your personality if you spent more time in conversation with God? Do you think that it would cause you to think more before you spoke if you spoke more with God? Would your spouse say that you were more calm? Would it change your words? Would it change your heart? Would you be more generous? Would you demonstrate more humility? What would happen if you were to engage in an intentional, habitual, silent, and secret conversation? Let me tell you, it will change your life. It will change your life. But look, if we desire to draw nearer to God, we've got to be willing to intentionally engage in a conversation with God. We have to commit ourselves to the spiritual practice of prayer. So what if just for the next 21 days, 21 days until Easter, what if, and we're in the middle of Lent right now, we've talked already about, about putting aside and, and giving up. What if you said, here's what I'm going to bring on. Here's what I'm going to replace in my life. 
I'm going to bring on the spiritual practice of prayer. Now look, I'm not talking about some magic formula or some recitation. I'm not talking about getting some right verbiage or technique because prayer is all about feasting on the presence of God. I want you to change the way that you oftentimes think about prayer. For many of us, the only image that we really have of prayer is when someone perhaps stands on a stage and leads some type of prayer. And yet never in Scripture do you find someone leading. It's the practice of feasting on the presence of God. But we're so prone to miss it because we just think about prayer as just being asking for things. Bless me, help me, protect me, provide for me. Oh, and oftentimes we throw in a thank you, Lord, and, and a praise you, God. We, we have that in there as well. But these are often the only words out of our mouths when we bow our heads. Our, our prayer life is just a, a list of things that we need and stuff that we want. And consequently, when it comes to prayer, we are pleased when God responds the way that we want him to, but then we are displeased and we're upset when God doesn't do what we ask. We're like, hey, didn't you see my forehead pressed up against that camera of yours? I'm trying to be near you. I'm praying. But what if prayer isn't primarily about giving God a to-do list at all? I mean, after all, Jesus told his disciples that their father knew what they needed even before they asked for it. So apparently God is not up in heaven with a pen and paper waiting for us to pray so that he could hurriedly write down what we need. Gabriel, did you get what they said? I don't know. Well, I, I missed it because somebody else was leading a prayer over here and I couldn't, I, what, what, what is it that people need? That's not what's taking place. Clearly prayer involves something far deeper and far more wonderful than simply informing God of what he already knows. Friends, I believe the purpose of prayer is not for you to bring information to God, but the purpose of prayer is for you to experience intimacy with God. It's not about you giving God information, but it's about you receiving God there in your life. It's why Jesus would say to his followers, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Find a place, Jesus says. Set aside some time. Get along with God. This one practice will utterly revolutionize your life. For something happens that cannot be described in words when the disciple is alone with God in a quiet place behind closed doors, in your car, with the radio off. It's a time where you commune with the infinitely great, indescribably good God of the universe it's a time where we experience a joy that not one thing or, or no one in this world can ever touch. You see, Jesus promised that this would be the case. He said, your father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And we think it's all about if I pray, I will get that that's the reward. Now, there's a blessing that comes from being with God. And this reward is deeply emotional and personal. The Apostle Paul says that the prayerful disciple will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything they can understand. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to give this a try. All right? I want you to give this a try. I want you to read this prayer with me that's going to be here on the screen, okay? Psalm 63 and verse 1. I want you to read this prayer with me, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. One more time. 
God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Friends, what if this week, this was your constant prayer? Just this. No list. No demands. Not even your usual praise that you offer. What if this week, this is your prayer? You express your need to be near God, and then you just become silent. You're driving somewhere to work, to school. Everything cuts off. You turn it off. The phone is put on do not disturb. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. You're there in your office. It's lunchtime. You normally try to catch up on a podcast, but instead you sit there, and as you're eating your sandwich, I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. And then you sit in silence. Why don't you try that? And see if prayer takes on a different meaning for you. Now look, the interesting thing is that pretty much everybody in this room would theoretically agree that prayer or this idea of intimacy with God should be a priority. But practically speaking, many of us really have a hard time with this priority and making it a priority in our lives. And I think there are a lot of different reasons, but, but maybe for you it's just that you're too busy, right? I, I mean, for all of us, you know, when you talk, it's like, hey, how are things going? Man, I am just busy. Man, I'm just covered up. Just got so many things going on. And our attentions are good. We know that it's important. But in our chaotic lives, it just never seems to fit into our schedules. So let me remind you of just a couple of long days in the life of Jesus. One day, one morning, he's preaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. People are amazed at his authoritative teaching. And, and more than that, they're amazed at the fact that they see him cast a demon out of a man there in the synagogue. He then goes to Simon Peter's house and he, he heals Simon's mother-in-law from a life-threatening fever. The people in the town, they hear about it and they begin to bring their sick, all to be healed by Jesus there. It begins to become nighttime and there he is healing those who are brought to him. And after this long day at work, what does he do? Does he sleep in? No. It says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place. He prayed. On another day, Jesus hears John the Baptist has been killed. He tries to be alone during this time of crisis, tries to be alone with God, but people hear where he's going and a huge crowd follows him. When he gets off the boat, he sees these people. He has compassion on them. And the text says that he begins to feed them with the word of God. And then he feeds them miraculously, miraculously with some fish and chips. And then he does the most amazing thing he sends the disciples away and he dismisses the crowd. And you think, well, what's more important than telling the good news? These people are ready to hear that they're with Jesus. Tell us something. And Jesus says, you guys are going to have to go. You're going to have to go because I enjoy being with you. But I need to be with my father more. So after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there all alone. Sometimes it was early. Sometimes it was late. But we're told that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. 
Why? Why make it such an emphasis? Why have this intentionality? I believe it was a way for him to once again enjoy intimacy with his father. It wasn't a to-do list. God, I want you to do this, and Father, I need you to do this. It was, I need you. I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no water. God, you are my God. Friends, in the midst of a busy day, Jesus needed the relationship to take priority over the rat race. And for a lot of us, it's the same. What if for the next 21 days, what if the next 21 days you drew near to God and maybe you just had one prayer on your lips? I've talked to people and I hear different things and I've discovered that oftentimes the overwhelming answer for the reason that we do not spend time with God is because many people just feel like the idea of prayer is boring because we've already always heard it's, all right, well, well we need to have this, I need to say something and, and then I need to get through a certain list and, and then I've got to end it correctly and I've got to start it correctly and we've got to have all these kind of words. It's kind of boring. Have you ever tried praying over Scripture? Have you ever, have you ever opened up Scripture and prayed through Psalms? Have you, have you ever prayed and then opened up and read Scripture and allowed God to speak to you there? Have you, ever, have you ever just spoken out loud a Psalm and then, as I've said, just closed the Bible and just sit in silence and, and, and allow God to, to use that Scripture there and allow the Spirit to, to bring out things about those words that you've never discovered before? I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but... It's not boring to have a conversation with the God of all creation. But I understand it. I get it. I mean, to be honest, the number one reason that, that, that I don't always pray as often as I should is because I just don't always feel like it. Can I get some oh yes from people out there with that one? Sometimes you just don't feel like praying. And as long as I'm confessing, and I hope it's okay to do this in church, I, I've never really liked long prayer meetings. All right? Never really liked them. I'm just going to get that out of the table. I don't really like standing or sitting in a circle holding the hands of a stranger for long periods of time. I'm not a big hand holder necessarily. We used to do this in college, but I've never been a big hand holder, and so I would try not to stand next or sit next to the person that had the sweaty hands. Now, that's hard to figure out, right? It's hard to look at someone and say, ah, there's a hand sweater right there. Yeah, it's difficult, but you can do it. You just take some practice, but it's really hard. And, and as I'm sitting there and I'm holding someone's hand and we're going to talk about praying, I'm thinking, where did this idea come from? Is it really book, chapter, and verse for standing in a circle and holding hands? Or, or sometimes, maybe, maybe you've seen this before. Do you ever stand next to someone? Have you sat next to someone and you're praying and they squeeze your hand extra hard at those moments when they really agree with what's being prayed? And man, I'm sorry if they agreed with the whole prayer. Because if they really agreed with the whole prayer, I mean, they just begin to squeeze, and then you hear, yes, Lord, and, and you, you feel the blood begin to drain, drain out of your fingers because uh, of the grip that's there, right? And so it just feels like it's just inevitable. I, I'm either going to end up being beside a sweater or a squeezer, and then oftentimes you're there with a sweaty squeezer, and then that's just the worst, and you're like, man. Friends, the truth is, this is an area where so many Christians struggle. We feel like it's an area where we have to talk a good game. 
And it's something that uh, we're, we're, we're trying to practice constantly. That's what we're saying, but we're really not. We're just not in constant conversation with God. We're too busy Snapchatting, and we're too busy with our, our text, and we're, and we're too busy with our TVs, and, and we're too busy with our tablets, and we're too busy with, with our work responsibilities and our homework and all the other things that we have to do. We're not in converse, constant conversation with God. And actually, for some of us here in the room, we're rarely in conversation with God. And it shows. It shows in the anxiety that we have over politics. It shows in our uncertain decision-making. It shows in, in our angry responses and our hurtful gossip. It shows in our lack of empathy and compassion for, for those that are around us. Our lack of prayer is why we struggle with choosing righteousness over desire. And it's why we live for the moment instead of living for eternity. We're just not in conversation with God. Remember, the purpose of prayer is not for you to bring information to God. The purpose of prayer is for you to experience intimacy with God. And to experience that intimacy, we must often and regularly, daily, withdraw to be alone with God. Even on those days when I don't feel like it. Even on those days when I say I really don't enjoy it. We still cultivate the regular practice of prayer and, and silence. So let me encourage you to develop some prayers that help you stay awake with God. Let me encourage you, for instance, to find a verse or a prayer that is your waking prayer that every morning you repeat. Or maybe there's the in, your shower, in the shower prayer. Maybe there's that I'm getting dressed prayer. You can have your cooking prayer. You can have your driving prayer. God is all over this world. He walks around incognito. So why not take the opportunity to have conversation with him? And let these prayers lead you into deeper encounters with a God who is continually present. Now, and to, help, to help in this process, we are providing you with a simple guide. Over the next few weeks, as we talk about different ways to draw near to God, you're going to be able to pick up outside in our lobby some, some individual pages that are going to help walk you through these different processes. You can also find them on our website, eastbrainerchurch.org. And by the way, the website has been totally retooled. Sean White has done an awesome job with this. I encourage you to go on and look if you have not. Make sure you get it on your phone and, and then make it be an app on your phone that you can get to really easily. We talked about, hey, uh, the, we don't have a paper bulletin. It's all on the, your phone. It's all online. You'll be able to pull all that up. But also you can click the Easter tab that's there. You'll get this page of talking about things that are coming up as we approach our celebration of the resurrection together. And then you'll see at the bottom of the page there are these spiritual practices. Go on there and click week one. And it's going to focus in on this idea of, of prayer and silence and, and how you can be connected and closer with the Lord this week. And, and I appreciate Travis Sharp for the time that he put in preparing these for us. So pick that up in the back as you leave or, or go ahead and, and go online and, and just pull that up and, and all week, whether it's the verse that I mentioned here or, or one that Travis uses, look for ways to draw near to the Lord. Let me finish with this. Daniel Natia is a missionary in a Muslim country. He has been stoned three times. People have come to his house to try to kill him. He has guard dogs. He has an escape tunnel. 
His phone lines are tapped, and he is followed everywhere that he goes. A few years ago, he was talking to a group of Christians who hear from the States, and he shared with them how that beginning each day, he starts off every morning three hours in conversation with God. Three hours in conversation with the Lord to, to begin his continual conversation that he will have for the rest of the day. And he was asked, would you ever skip a day? Would you ever skip a day and just pray for five or ten minutes? You're in this country where people are watching you constantly. You are suspect when you walk down the road that there is a, a mark that's on you. Is there ever a day that you would just say, you know what, I've got too much to do. I've got to be careful. I've got to hit the ground running. Uh, and is there ever a day that you would just stop and you would not be in conversation with God? Or maybe you would just spend five, ten minutes, just a little time. And here's how he responded. He said not to pray, not to be in conversation with God would be suicide. In a land where people were trying to kill him for his faith, he says not to strengthen my faith would kill me. Friends, maybe that's the answer to your spiritual condition this morning. Because somewhere along the line, you stopped spending intentional time with God. You stopped drawing near, and you've been dying spiritually ever since. Church, God longs to spend time with you outside of these walls. He longs to be in constant contact. He longs to be in conversation with us. We all live our lives in the presence of God. What we must do is break through the noise and intentionally stop this week. And be present with him. Father, will you give us the opportunity? Will you open our hearts so that we might hear you? And Father, may we draw near to you this week. May the words of our heart and the meditation of our soul be pleasing to you. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Jesus, we continue in conversation. Amen. Let's praise our God in song. And if you would like for this church to, to go in conversation with God and to, 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 to pray on your behalf and to be in prayer this week in conversation for you, we'd love to have that opportunity. Or if you'd like to be baptized into Christ, if you'd like to, to give your life over to him, receiving the salvation that only comes from Jesus, we'd love to celebrate with you. We have a prayer room that's in the back. It's not just an opportunity to go and, and to speak with one of our shepherds here each Sunday morning. It's a place where you can come anytime, and you can come and just be alone and just be in conversation with God if you'd like to get a, away and if you're looking for a closet. Maybe you want to do that now. Whatever your need, draw near to the Lord as together we stand and give him praise.